again, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin. Welcome to Pirates Talk. Well, it looked like Seton Hall had righted the ship. Unfortunately, the wins against Butler and Connecticut did not turn out to be the tonic for what ailed the Hall, as they've lost two straight since to DePaul and Marquette, both on the road. The controversial finish to the Marquette game notwithstanding, Bryce Aiken called for a foul on Greg Elliott with less than two seconds remaining when Aiken was hit in the face by Elliott's elbow, Elliott making one of two free throws and Marquette winning 73-72. The Golden Eagles have now ripped off five straight wins, including a victory this week on the road against Villanova, so the loss may not turn out to be as bad as it first seemed. But the DePaul game, which preceded it, was inexcusable, a high-scoring affair against one of the weaker teams in the Big East and a four-point loss, 97-93. The Pirates have been off since the defeat by Marquette and have consecutive games against St. John's on Saturday at Madison Square Garden and Monday at Walsh Gymnasium on the Hall's campus in South Orange. That's a make-up date for the earlier postponement due to Seton Hall's COVID issues of the game between the teams that was scheduled for Prudential Center. My guest is here to discuss what's happening with the Hall. Can they shake off those two losses? Is it time to be concerned? And to give us a preview of the matchup with the Johnnies. J.P. Pelsman has over three decades of covering sports in our area, including the college basketball scene. He currently contributes to Forbes.com and for Pirate Crew, which we will talk about today. In short, the man knows his stuff. And it's my pleasure to welcome J.P. Pelsman to the show. J.P., thank you so very much for giving me your time. I'm looking forward to our conversation. How are things with you? Pretty good, pretty good, Matt. Uh, it's been an interesting season uh, for the Pirates, to say the least. And uh, I'm uh, looking forward uh, to uh, the rest of this month. It should be interesting uh, with the games they have coming up. I want to see uh, how they can bounce back from uh, the recent uh recent road trip. Well, we are going to talk about that for sure in detail and then preview what's upcoming both in the immediate future and then look down the road a little bit long term. But before we get there, I I mentioned in the introduction that, you know, in your three decades plus of working in this business and you've worked in all forms of media and and you're a well-known name in the metropolitan area. But one of the outlets that you work for now and a good friend, Danny Giuseffi, is the mind behind it and the hard work behind it, is Pirate Crew on setonhall.rivals.com. Your recent story is entitled Storm Clouds Ahead, speaking about the upcoming series against St. John's. So tell me a little bit about it. For those who are not familiar, who are listening in, tell me what Pirate Crew is all about and what a great outlet it is. Well, I appreciate that, uh, Matt. What it is, is it's... uh... It's one of the many offshoots of Rivals, which uh, covers college sports throughout the country and has uh, specific sites for all college, for all major college, for a lot of major college teams. Pretty much, I guess, all major college teams, and it's obviously big with uh, football. But for Seton Hall, it has it has a site for for the Seton Hall Pirates, and uh, I do work for their for their premium site, uh, which is called the Treasure Trove, or by fan the fan the Seton Hall fans just called the Trove. And uh, for every uh, game, both home and on the road, I provide a game story and and basically what uh, what I call my takeaways. And it's basically a look back and a look ahead. I try I try to I try to analyze. I mean, everyone knows everyone these days, Matt. They know what's happened in the game. They they know what's going on. So I try to provide that a little bit to some extent. But I also try to provide okay, what does it mean? 
where have they been? Where are they going? I try to analyze, but I also remember, hey, these these are college guys. Yes, they're on scholarship, and I mean, maybe they're starting to get some NILs, but they, they are college players. They're not professionals. I try to keep it within reason, but I also try to be constructively uh, critical. But again, I'm never going to say, oh, this guy, uh, he's terrible, this or that. But I, but I want to uh, provide uh, critiques and just just try to let people know what's going on with the program and, and where they're headed and uh, what needs to be done, what, what's good and what's bad. And uh, again, within reason, but I, but I hope people like, and again, I've been on, I've been doing it for a while. I mean, it's, we're coming close to 20 years, so I'd like mm. to think I, I have a handle on it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun. And Dan, like you said, Dan's terrific. He's he's great to work with. He gives me a lot of uh, leeway, a lot of freedom, and uh, certainly uh, nobody uh, bleeds uh, bleeds blue and white more than he does. That is true. And I've only recently, over the last three or four years, gotten to know him. And he's just a, a terrific guy, doesn't want the spotlight necessarily. But as you said, he, he bleeds blue and white and is Seton Hall all the way. So again, you know, part of the Rivals family, Pirate Crew, Treasure Trove, setonhall.rivals.com is where you go. And there is a subscription service, but there's also some free stuff too. So anyway, check it out if you haven't done so already. But you did touch upon something there about you do the the takeaways and, and your take. That's really how the business, particularly your side of the business, the, the written side of the business, has changed over the last 15 years. It's not about so-and-so scored a basket with two minutes left in the game to give Seton Hall a lead and they went on to a victory because people wake up in the morning and before they go to bed, they're getting an alert. They know what's going on if they haven't watched the game or listened to the game. So it's not a running anymore. It really is insight that you provide. And that's a dramatic change from the media standpoint that we've seen over, as I said, the last two decades, maybe even less. Yeah, I mean, that was something I have to say that uh, that was really drummed into my head at the record. And that's something I was always trying to be on the cutting edge of when I, I did the same thing when I was at the record. I mean, I didn't have maybe the space I have now, but didn't have kind of the uh, canvas to paint on, if you will. But yeah, I was always trying to do that there too. Uh, just always trying to spin it forward kind of was always the mantra. I mean, what does it mean? Well, what, what, uh, what does it mean going forward? Where is the team at? Where are they going? Because um, that's kind of what we're all trying to figure out. What 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 is the uh, meaning to this? Put it in context, I guess, is the biggest thing. Because, like you said, Matt, everyone knows what happened by now. I mean, the games. Let's face it. I mean, one of the best things that's ever happened to uh, the Big East was the new Big East was just the uh, convergence of that with uh, Fox wanting to launch FS1. So they needed content. I mean, every game literally is on TV mm-hmm. now. So everyone knows what happened. Um, so you can't tell them it's not uh, the old days where there might be a, an outlier or a game you couldn't find. Uh, everyone knows what happened. And your job is to really tell them why it happened. So, uh, I mean, I take that seriously. I try to provide what insight I can. And I hope that people appreciate it. I mean, I have gotten it's It's been rewarding that I have. Uh, over the years, people have, have said to me they appreciate it. And, and you try to reach out to people on Twitter and, and uh, gauge them publicly. And uh, again, I, I, sometimes I haven't had time lately, but sometimes I try to go on, on the board and, and interact with people. And, and I appreciate that. And, and people have been supportive. So, yes, I, I, especially during the off season, I definitely do that. 
and 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 the fans. Hey, they they they're again. They're why we do this. You know that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's one thing I, I don't like is there are people who sometimes seem to disdain that. And I think you you have to understand that if it's not for the fans, cliche as it might be, Matt. If it's not for the fans, we don't have work. So you, you have to understand what they're looking for. And and I, I will say that now everything is kind of homogenized. We hope someday when COVID hopefully recedes a little bit, we, we get back to a more normal thing. But let's face it, with everyone getting the same quotes, you really have to work harder and try to come up with your own uh, essay or your own take to, to give something a little bit different. So on to this team and recently, have they just hit a bump in the road with the losses at DePaul and Marquette? Although the Marquette loss, as controversial as it was, maybe looked at in a different light, given the fact that Chaka Smart's got his team going in the right direction, having won five straight. But the two losses, but that was preceded by a period where they won their two prior to that, but then they lost two before that. So it's really four losses in their last six games. Is it a bump in the road? Uh, or maybe is this team not as good as everyone thought when they were beating Rutgers and Texas and Michigan? I think I, I think it's more a bump in the road. I mean, I think I, I just maybe think that the Paul game maybe was just uh, one of those letdown situations. I, I mean, again, it's hard to not not being in Chicago, but watching it on TV. You you look at it and you say uh, four o'clock local time on a Thursday, uh, uh, almost like look like a two thirds empty arena. I mean, it's just human. I, I mean, not having had a chance to ask the players, but you almost look at it like it might have been human nature, and not that, and not that they, let's face it, man, not that they would have admitted it anyway. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's human nature to let up a little bit. And then I, I happen to notice during that game. I mean, and I'm not indicting them, but I'm just saying it's human nature. Uh, I mean, they they uh, DePaul went on a six zero run during that game when Javon Freeman Liberty got hurt. I mean, again, maybe you let down a little bit. You think, oh, well, their best player just got hurt. Maybe uh, maybe that smooths the path for us a little bit. So, no, I, I think it's a bump in the road. And I think the only thing that would concern me, I will say this, is that in both games, especially in the first halves, the, the three-point shooting of the opposition became a problem again. And that was obviously a big pitfall for the Pirates last year, Matt. And... Kevin Willard addressed it after the Marquette game, said he was going to tweak the defense this week. Obviously, it's unfortunate that the Providence game uh, got banged because of COVID on Tuesday. And, gee, well, lo and behold, Georgetown shows up last night, and they were fine. Hmm. Uh, but, no, I'm not, I'm not, 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 no, I'm not saying anything at Cooley. I, he's a fine man. I'm not saying anything at all, so don't. Don't read <laughs> anything to that. I mean, I know those guys are great friends, too. Seriously, I know yes. those guys are really tight. Kevin and Ed Cooley, so I'm not saying anything, but it is kind of interesting. But anyway, I'm not not accusing anything. I don't have any evidence, but uh, but but the the positive was it, it gave Kevin as much needed buy because I know uh, we know how he talks about the schedule, Matt. He uh, tends to complain a little bit about the schedule makers. Uh, so at least it did give him a chance to get some practice time in, which he's always talking about. He said he was going to tweak the defense after the Marquette game when he talked to you and uh, Dave Popkin on the radio. On 970, so I would say that maybe that he knows that's a thing he has to fix. Is the closeouts were bad, the rotations were bad, and it looked a lot like last year. So certainly St. John's can be, they don't shoot it well, except for maybe Addy Wusu and uh, 
a couple other guys, but um, they, they don't shoot it well, but they will take threes. So that's something they'll have to, to shore up the next few day, next couple of days. Uh, I think, uh, I, I think he'll work on that, but that's the only thing that would really concern me is that the three point defense definitely has slipped. And that that's obvious, and and that's a function, uh, not a function. That that's an item that he's going to focus on, as he mentioned, or has since it's Friday as we record this. So there's little, little time left to do much work on it. But also a lot of talk, uh, JP, about ball movement or lack thereof, and how few assists there are. Our good friend, our mutual friend Jerry Carino, had something today where Seton Hall is like third from the bottom in uh, among major teams 300 and I'm, I forget the number now 333 out of 336 teams something like that uh in in uh, assists to points ratio and I might be off in that anyway what about the ball movement or lack thereof what has to happen in that area yeah he's mentioned that to me too and it's uh, I'll have to check that story out that's a great stat by uh, Jerry and he's he's very good as as we both know and no it's a problem and and but let's face it, it's it's live by the sword, die by the sword. I mean, it's it's kind of extreme, even by Kevin Willard's standards, but that's part of the problem um, when you run the NBA-style offense he runs, where you have a lot of ISO, you have a lot of pick and roll, and right now this year they really don't have a, 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 a true pick and roll guy. I mean, let's face it, I mean... Uh, Ike Obiagu is a good uh, shot blocker, and occasionally you can, uh, once in a while, you can dump it down to him, and then he can score off offensive uh, putbacks. But he's not a great pick and roll guy like even Mike Enzi became. But he runs so much NBA style stuff. I would, and, and this is something I wrote in one of my takeaways. I would like to see them, I, I know he's struggled, but I would like to see them run more sets. For Jameer Harris, I think that's one reason why he has kind of struggled, is that they just don't run a lot of. I mean, they'll they'll run the occasional ball screen mat, but uh, I, I can see one thing: he just doesn't evidently. And I was wrong about this. I thought he would be able to create space for himself even at this level. I don't think he can, and they need to. I feel like they need. He is a catch and shoot guy much like Shavar Reynolds, and I feel like they need to run more sets for him to get him free for open trees. They they kind of did that against Villanova, and we saw the results. He went four for six. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see them do that for him more often, maybe get him going because he's that zone buster that they need, and I think that's where the offense really gets stagnant, Matt, is they don't have that three-point guy, and all of a sudden everyone's just kind of standing around watching whoever the ISO guy of the moment is, whether it's Kadari Richmond or or Jared Roden, or Bryce Aiken, and everyone else is just kind of standing around playing spectator. And I think that that affects Bryce Aiken as well, because we've all seen it. Bryce is a dynamic player. He's got guts. He wants the last shot in in the waning moments of any game. But at the same time, he can be guilty, and maybe it's because of the way the offense is run. He'll look for someone, then he'll try to drive, maybe beat two people. He'll play the ball behind his back. He'll step out, look for a three. And then suddenly the shot clock is winding down. So, you know, he, Kevin's got to figure all that out. And then Bryce has to figure some of those things out as well, because the ball has to be in his hands, but it seems to me it's in his hands a little too much. What do you think about that? I think you're exactly right, man. I think, I think that goes to to the problem that I, I was just kind of a hint at, but yes. you said it better than I did, is that this team, and, and again, it's nobody's fault, but 
it just kind of in, in Richmond and Aiken, you kind of have two, what I would call one and a half. You don't have a true one. You don't have that guy, even though, and I know I'm going way back into pirate lore back when I just first started covering the team. And yes, Andre Barrett could score with the best of them, but he was a guy who lived for setting up other people. They don't have that guy who lives to set up other people. And they have two scoring guards with the ball in their hands in Richmond and Aiken. They just don't have that true one guard who who just... Heck, they don't even have a guy like... Uh, I know, obviously, he was a guy with the ball in his hands, but he was a, a two. And in, in like Isaiah Whitehead as a sophomore, yes, he was not a point guard, Matt, but he was a guy who loved to pass the ball. You could see... The, the one time I felt like he he would light up and he was kind of a... I felt badly for him. I know there's a tangent, but I felt badly for him because he seemed with all the pressure on him from being the, one of the Coney Island anointed guys. He always seemed to have so much pressure on him, but the times he would really light up, I felt, Matt, was when he made that perfect pass. And they don't seem to have that guy who loves making the perfect pass. And it's not a knock on Aiken or, or Richmond, but they're just not that guy. They're more They're more comfortable creating for themselves, I think, than creating for others. Not that they don't want to do it, they're just better at it, that's all. So as we look ahead to St. John's, two different venues, right? Saturday, it's Madison Square Garden. The uh, I like to kid them in, over there and say the, the self-proclaimed world's most famous arena, but it, it certainly, its reputation precedes it around the world. And then you go to Tiny Walls Gymnasium on Monday because of the COVID postponement from earlier in the year when COVID was running wild through Seton Hall. So boy, the yin and the yang, but the atmospheres will be, I think, well, certainly on Monday will be terrific. What 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 are you expecting in this home and home series against the Red Storm? Well, first of all, you know, backstage they have the world's most famous interview room, but uh, <laughs> but I I feel like uh, uh, I stole that from uh, their excess ID, Mark Fratto. But uh, but it, it's very interesting because what's it like? I mean, uh, I know you've uh, done some baseball in your time, and uh, what is it? It's, you know, sometimes it's tough to, to sweep a doubleheader. I mean. I don't know how tough it's going to be for Seton Hall to sweep this, but I got to say, St. John's has been a little disappointing to me. I mean, I, I have to say, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but if you go back and look, if anyone went back and looked at my stuff on the Trove, I think I had them more pegged to like four or five, maybe like five, and I know some people had them as high as two or three. I just wasn't totally sold, and that wasn't a knock at Mike Anderson. Now I sound like a an ex Hall coach, I'm not knocking, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I was a cheap one, but but I just feel like the pieces haven't matched for them, Matt. I feel like, I don't know, because funny, speaking of ball handlers, like they're playing two point guards at the same time, and Posh Alexander and Dylan Adiwusu, who I, whom I mentioned before, but I just feel like somehow um, the pieces haven't matched, even with Sham, Julian Champagne, who's a tremendous player, and, and I think will play in the NBA, obviously, but they're just so again. They they have trouble also. A lot of NBA concepts. They have trouble executing the half court, but and they're coming off obviously getting run, run off the court at uh, Creighton. Uh, I think I don't know. It would be interesting to see how big with them struggling. How much of a home court? I, I know there's been sometimes in the recent years at the Garden. It's been a big home court advantage. I'll be interested to see how how much the fans will come out for them. I assume they will. Uh, I don't know how many Seton Hall fans will want to make the, and it's not a knock at them, but just with all the, the, the 
the hoops you have to jump through now to do it. I'll be interested to see. I, I think there will be a big seat all contingent, but again, it's it's a, it's more of a problem now to have to to do everything. So I'll be interested to see how the, how that works out. Uh, I mean, I would hope for uh, seat hall sake there is, but again, uh, who knows? Uh, but on the court, I think obviously you have to you have to stop Posh Alexander first, because to me, as great as Champagne is, you have to stop his penetration. You have to cut that off. And then, because sometimes Kevin can do that, Matt. Sometimes he'll say, you know what? I'll let Champagne get his and stop everyone else. I've seen him do that sometimes. And that's what he chose against Providence. But then uh, Noah Hork would beat him when, when they were down a couple of players uh, late last month. But it'll be interesting to see how they play it. I mean, I definitely favor them at Walsh because I don't know if St. John's will be ready for that kind of an atmosphere, that student-only game. But the, the matchup at the Garden is really intriguing. But but now I do expect a big scene all contingent, uh, despite the trouble of uh, getting there. Yeah, I think I think the fans will will go to the Garden and. You're right. Monday will just be something. Well, Seton Hall hasn't played a Big East game on campus in, you know, coming up on 40 years uh, and understandably why. I mean, you want the revenue and and the league demands uh, both literally and figuratively that you play in in bigger arenas uh, and bigger settings. But a student-only game uh, where the fans will just be fired up uh, should be an incredible atmosphere. But, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to look back in the past and think fondly of what Walsh was all about back in the day when Raft and Richie Regan were roaming the sidelines and, you know, even going back to Honey Russell, et cetera. Uh, that doesn't mean anything if you don't come up with the W because Seton Hall needs W's, that's for sure. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. I didn't want to interrupt you. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is – and then you have Marquette two days after that yes. game. So, yeah, this is this – is, Three games in five days. I mean, this is really a make-or-break stretch for the season. I mean, I, I, I mean, I think I still think they're they're a tournament team. But the question is, where are you in the tournament? I mean, this is a team that should not be in an eight-nine game. They they have the talent to be at least a five or a six seed, and and you don't want to be in a situation where you're facing some heavyweight in the second round. Yeah, assuming you get past the first round, obviously. Yeah, yeah, but you're absolutely right, and that's what everyone involved with Seton Hall uh, on the fan side, and I'm sure internally as well, that's what they're thinking. Like, where are we going to wind up? Because it is about matchups. I mean, you've got to win that first-round game. We know there are upsets, et cetera, et cetera, uh, but you, you'd want a matchup at least that favors you a little bit more than than going right into the, uh, right into the fire uh, early on in the tournament. Uh, so... Looking ahead, Big East, Providence, as we record this, sits atop the conference. How do you see in the end things playing out across the league? Uh, Seton Hall will move up, I presume, if they get their their stuff together. Can Providence stay there? Uh, Will Nova overtake them? What what do you see, JP? I don't know. Right now, I mean... Listen, there's no, I mean, eventually, I mean, I was joking before, but eventually Providence is going to have to, I would think, make up some of these tough games that they've <laughs> skipped because of the COVID, yep. I would think. Yep. Uh, so that maybe knocks them down a peg. Uh, I, I mean, even in defeat, I was impressed with UConn. I mean, I see them being up there. Uh, and again, I, I mean, I love the job. Obviously, Shaka Smart is doing that win over, no pun intended, shocked me 
uh, over Villanova. But I, I'm a little worried, and, and this is for somebody, obviously a Hofstra grad, so I know I was in on the ground floor when Jay Wright was just getting started. Uh, but I'm a little... I'm a little concerned about Villanova. I mean, just because I just feel like, I mean, the defense is there, but they're just not scoring the ball like mm-hmm. they used to. And I wonder if that's that's going to be a long-term problem or if they're going to figure it out. I would think with Jay, they will figure it out with, with Jay Wright. But I, I don't see the burst. Maybe, maybe the knee just is still a problem with Colin Gillespie. I don't see the burst he used to have. And I don't know if that's, that's a problem is that maybe he's just not getting into lane like he used to, but, but there's something missing with that offense, Matt. I, I don't, I haven't off to watch more of them, especially when the Seton Hall uh, plays them the second time. I'll, I'll try to watch some more tape of them coming come into that game, but something's missing with that team right now. They, I mean, their offense is really uh, in fits and starts right now. Yeah, I agree with you. There just is something off a little bit, but there is time to straighten that out. Last couple of ones, and I'll let you go, uh, JP. And again, thank you so much for your time. And I know Seton Hall fans are tiptoeing toward this line, and that is Kevin Willer's future. He's done a fantastic job at Seton Hall. I think it's hand in glove. He He's turned the program around. Uh, he took over a bad hand, but he's dealt with it, uh, no pun intended. And and now it gets to the point where he's not just recruiting three stars. He can get four stars. Guys are going to play professionally. It's in a great league, in a great market. There's so much right. But all of us look on the other side of the fence. We're all guilty of it and, and wondering if it might be a little different there. So his name's going to come up. It has come up before. It will come up again. What do you think about his, his future at Seton Hall? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't think it's his retirement job, Matt. I mean, I, I don't expect him to finish his career at Seton Hall. I mean, I'll bet. I'll bet if you asked him if he got gave him some sodium pentothal, if you asked him, did he think he'd be here twelve years later when he signed on in twenty ten? I don't think he. I think he'd admit no, that uh, he he would have moved on to someplace else. But I mean, it's been. It's been a better marriage probably than anyone expected. I mean, he's really, he's built a program. He's built the culture. And I think that's the most important thing, uh, to have a culture that, that wins and, and where players know what's expected of you. And I think, I, I do think that, and this is something Jerry Carino has said to, to bring him up again, that the, the, the transfer portal is really something good for him because his his pitch really works well with transfers because that they want to hear straight talk. They they don't want to be uh, sold a bill of goods and he's good with straight talk. But getting to your question is, well, I mean, obviously let, let's not beat around the bush. I mean, the, the, the school everyone brings up is Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he'd be their first choice just from what I can gather. Would he be in their fallback? I think so. Uh, but I think before he goes anywhere, I, I think I have to think he's got to get to a, the second weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it, he's never been able to do that yet. And I think, again, unless unless he becomes somebody's fallback candidate, if they don't get who they're looking for, I mean, obviously he has to make the tournament this year, which I think they will, uh, barring a complete collapse. But, but 
Yeah, I mean, I do. I no, I don't think he's going to finish his career at Seton Hall again. Is it going going to be this year? I can't say yes or no. I don't think so, but one never knows. But again, before he goes, I think I, I would think he has to make a second weekend at some point to really make him attractive. Because right now, if you're a place that let's face it, a lot of the let's face it, Mark Turgeon, for instance, at Maryland, he was jettisoned because he he wasn't winning enough when it counted. So it'd be a tough sell. Well, we're going to bring in Kevin Willard. Okay, how many NCAA tournament games has he won? A one. I mean, I'm just saying for the yeah, fan base. That's, that's a fair point. For the boosters, that's not. That's going to be tough to have the boosters pony up a, a lot of money. But again, but if if you get turned down by uh, Coach X and Coach Y and Coach Z, and you're you're and you're saying, okay, well, who's next on a list? It might even get that far, but if you're turned on by Coach X and Coach Y, you say, well, we've got Kevin Willard. You could do a heck of a lot worse. I mean, look at, I mean, look, I mean, and, and, and a guy that Kevin knows well, I mean, I mean, Mick Cronin wasn't UCLA's first choice. How's that working out? I mean. That is, that is always the danger, right? Like, you have to go to the right place because otherwise it becomes a blemish on your resume. And... At the same time, the school is looking at it from their perspective, but a coach always, I think, has to be really honest with himself or have someone next to him or close to him that can give him the straight scoop. Like, no, this this might look good, but you know, maybe maybe just hold off a little longer because you want to make sure it's the right fit, as it has been. Although, as you point out, no one really saw it necessarily coming, as it has been. Yeah, Kevin I mean, but again, years. I, I mean, I could, like I said, I do think, I just think that to make him more attracted to a fan base and maybe to some potential ADs, he would have to get to the sweet 16. But I, I mean, that just, I mean, that's conventional thinking. I could be wrong, but, or at least, I mean, really a, a tough second round loss. I, I mean, I really feel like this is the year he needs to make it happen. I mean, again, the sad thing is, but again, we can't turn back the clock and we can't, we can't, we can't play the what if game. I mean, the, the one chance he – and he said he think, thought he had a Final Four team, but we'll never know what would have happened two years ago, unfortunately. Yes. We'll unfo- never know. Nope. That could have been the chance. We'll, we don't know, though. They had so many pieces, but unfortunately COVID uh, shut so much down. Yeah, just, and, and I'll tell you, Matt, I really believe that – I really believe that if they had gotten – I mean, let's face it, we figured they probably would have played their first two games in Albany, but I really feel if they got, had gotten shipped somewhere to say, like, I think it was regional in Houston – if they got shipped somewhere like that, I think they could have made some hay because I just feel like they needed to get away from from this area because I felt like they pressed a lot at home that year. Yeah, it was a it was a magical time, only it a was. couple of years ago. But uh, hey, uh, it's life, unfortunately, and uh, we'll never know, as you said. What we do know, JP, is that your insights are greatly appreciated. I I love having the opportunity to speak with you. I. I'm very honored that you've come on the show, and I think our listeners, I know our listeners, have appreciated what you've done uh, writing, covering the team, and, and also your insights on this show. So thanks very much, and uh, looking forward to spending some more time with you down the road. Well, I'm honored to be uh, invited, Matt. Thank you so much. You do a terrific job, and I'm glad you had a chance to uh, broadcast last week. On, not, not in the greatest circumstance, circumstances, but I know Gary's uh, doing okay, so I'm just can't wait till he's cleared and uh but again i'm glad you had your shot being a 
being an alum and all that. And uh, again, great to be on your show and uh, hope to do it again. Well, thank you, uh, JP. And it was a blast. I have to be honest, even though the ending was not, uh, yeah. we could yeah. talk, we could talk for another half hour about that, but you know, <laughs> the, the, the ending was horrendous, uh, and a tough loss, but it was fun. Dave's such a pro. Uh, he and Gary are big parts of the Seton Hall family and yeah, Gary will be back. I was happy to slide in and it, it, it was so much fun for me. I did enjoy it, but except for the final result where Seton Hall lost yeah. to Marquette and now they try to bounce back off the two game losing streak. Uh, JP, again, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Matt. And that will do it for this edition of Pirates Talk. Let's see if the time off works some wonders for the Hall. The season is far from over, and they're too good to let things slip too far, but now is the time. And as a side note, how cool will it be to be back at Walsh for Monday's game? First time in almost 40 years that Seton Hall will play a Big East game on campus. Now, nostalgia is all well and good, but the W is paramount. Thanks to J.P. Pelsman for graciously giving me his time. You can read J.P.'s work at Forbes.com and for Pirate Crew at SetonHall.Rivals.com. Pirates Talk is available wherever you subscribe to podcasts. I invite you to rate the show, leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks as always to Pat Christensen, the sound engineer of the program and the writer and performer of the Pirates Talk theme. And thanks to you for your company. It's very much appreciated. I'm Matt Lachlan. Until next time, be safe, be well, and let's go Pirates! <laughs>